Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Spark Parade. I'm Adam Ons, your glamorous host. Thank you for joining me. So today I'll be chatting to the photographer Wunmi Onibudo, but we're doing something a little different. I was lucky enough to steal a little time with her while she was on her way to Mexico City for work. Wunmi wanted to talk about two things. Groundbreaking, right? Two different subjects. That's going to happen with guests from time to time, and who am I to stand in the way of their dreams? But seriously, it all fits together perfectly, and we found a nice connection between the two subjects that she chose. We talked about Imperial Courts, which is a photography project by Dana Lixenberg that spanned 20 years, and it concluded with an interactive online retrospective. The other piece is a painting called The Execution of Lady Jane Grey by Paul Delaroche. How are they connected? Stay tuned to find out. Before we dig into the interview, it's time for my weekly musings about art. Yay, right? This week, I watched an orchestra play. That's a tantalizing teaser for the end of the episode as well. Ooh, very exciting. I was watching this orchestra and absorbing the music on a sort of macro level. You know, an interesting piece of music going into my ears, end of story. And then I started thinking a bit about all of the pieces that had gone into producing that music. In an era where music has been pretty seriously devalued, it feels quite easy to forget the tremendous amount of work that goes into producing it. And I mean any music. But an orchestra? Jeez. There's a lot that goes into that. So I started thinking about how each of the instruments being played had a long history behind it, the development and manufacturing and evolution of its shape and the materials of which it's comprised. Maybe that's getting a little ridiculous uh, when considering that particular orchestra, but even focusing on the people in that room, they represent thousands upon thousands of hours of learning and practice spread across dozens of individual disciplines. All of those musicians then had to achieve an absolute mastery of their instrument, be lucky enough to be chosen for that orchestra, be comfortable playing with so many competing sounds around them and in front of a large audience with really high expectations. And then there's a conductor whose ear has to be trained so well that he can pick out each individual instrument in that wave of sound and nudge it in the right direction. And all I had to do to enjoy the fruits of their labor is to sit down. I know all of that stuff is totally obvious, but I think it's really important to remember the tremendous amount of effort that goes into the art that we enjoy. Because to me, that effort is just as awe-inspiring as the finished product. So let's keep on trucking, shall we? Here comes my chat with Wunmi Onibudo about Imperial Courts and the execution of Lady Jane Grey. 
So the first one I okay. think I just talk about is Imperial Courts, which okay. is such an amazing, amazing project, and just like the scope of it and how long she it's, has been taking pictures. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Without even thinking about where Imperial Courts is and the history of Watts and what the lives are like of the people who live there, just the composition yeah. of the pictures. Yes. Every single one of those people look beautiful. It's like fashion yeah. photography, like real the light yeah. and the um, but without the distraction of it. Right, absolutely gorgeous portraiture, and then yeah. the website, the like interactive element, and in being able to yeah. have a really clear picture of where it is in LA, what the history of the neighborhood is, and really getting into speaking to those people and talking to them about what their lives are like and yeah. looking at all aspects of their lives and of the neighborhood and showing them as real people is incredible. Yeah, I think that's the thing that got me in the end, especially when I went, did finally get to see it all. So I went to the photographer's gallery and they had the full exhibition. And so firstly seeing them, you know, they're all the kind of all different sizes, but seeing them really blown up was just a whole other level because you see how beautiful these prints are and how kind of the work as they were meant to be seen, you know, how it always is. But then I think also the part that really added, because I'd seen them so many times by then, and then the thing that added just a little bit more is that they had recordings of when she went back to Watts and she, you know, showed them the finished the finished project to show in the books and um you just had headphones so you were listening to their reactions so you couldn't see exactly who they were looking at, at the time obviously you've got the uh the images all around you but you could hear them and i think that's the thing it's just yes she's done this amazing work and done very well from it in terms of what she's achieving and rightly so but the thing that um i do like about it because obviously it's, it's one of those things you know you can bring up so many questions like oh it's a you know white person going into this neighborhood and mm. it's a you know it's a ghettoized neighborhood and there's a, following the riots everything and you know you kind of rightly so you should ask the questions about that tourism aspect of white people going into the spaces and like profiting from it but it really is a collaboration and you see that and then you hear it when you listen to those recordings it's kind of like she was really happy to kind of give it back to them because and you just hear everyone responding to each of the photos like saying oh that's this person or this is this person and the fact that she went back so many times and you know you've got photos of someone when they were 10 and 20 is just amazing it's, it's like a, it's like when you have a yearbook and you don't look at it for a while and you go back and you just have all these great memories and even the ones that are sad you still loads of people there may have been lost or may have been you know gone to jail or something along those lines or just had left and gone somewhere else so you know there's a lot of nostalgia and maybe missing people but it's still to, to have that and to and to have such like you said the portraits are so beautiful i'm going to look back at portraits of myself in as a portrait i use the term loosely it's going to be photos of me um splattered on the ground from my facebook archives you know you don't you don't you don't have these you don't have these uh accounts and it, and that's why sometimes it is so nice to take good portraits if you are able to of people you know which is you know something i'm trying to be a bit better at now i used to take photos of my friends all the time and so good to have because when you look back and then you reflect i think that's what that's why i started taking photos in the first place it literally was to remember that was the only thing because i was like i can't remember what happened you know a week ago and everything moved so quickly and then I think that was part of the fun of like having something like Facebook where you didn't publish photos. You're like, oh my gosh, this is what we were doing and this is where we were. And you look at it now and you're like, okay, that was me 10 years ago. It's it's amazing to have those things like this was me 10 years ago. Looking now, you know, not that I look any better or feel any, you know, but it's just mm. to be able to have those accounts, I feel like it's so important. Uh, going back to what you were saying about just having this 
this white woman, a, a Dutch white woman, like, you know, yes. uh, one of the <laughs> ultimate colonizers coming into <laughs> exactly. this predominantly black neighborhood in the projects. Yeah. And an interview with her in The Guardian last year where she was talking yeah. about initially coming and trying to talk to people in this neighborhood. And everybody thought that she was like with the FBI and that she yeah. was like spying yeah. on them. And, you know, <laughs> Just, um, exactly. yeah. And not only the fact that she kept coming back and has been going back to the neighborhood for, you know, over 20 years, but yeah. seeing the work itself and yes. knowing that it's not, like you said, any kind of white tourist in a black neighborhood exactly. or... Yeah. Um, that she's being respectful and she actually wants to hear their stories and represent them accurately in a well-rounded way. Yeah. And I think a lot, of, a lot of times the danger of having a white person come and try to tell black people's stories is... Yeah, you lose that. And they lose their autonomy within that process, which is the thing where I think with this, she didn't, you know, there wasn't any... Um, there was no reducing anything down to anything. In fact, it's actually, it's, you know, it's pretty almost presented without commentary. There's, you know, description of what it is, but she's not selling who they are. She's just showing you. And there's, and there's so much personality that comes through every single image. Every image is so different, despite the fact that these people come from the same place, the same neighbourhood, the same, like, building. There's just, like, it's just, you know, you can sometimes you look at it and you think of a friend. Like, that person reminds you of a friend who's taken a picture in a similar style, and you're like, okay, that's the fashionista, or that's the one who always has her, her stuff together because you know she's always she always looks good and there's that person who's chill there's so there's so many characters and she allowed them to be that she didn't she didn't she just went and took photos of them and let them be themselves rather than try to get them to fit a narrative whether that was falling in line with people's perceptions over time or even trying to break perceptions she wasn't trying to do that she was just letting them be them and i think that's why they welcomed her back and you know kind of continued to you know pose for pictures and things because it wasn't like she didn't just get random people all the time she went back and revisited people she had taken photos of years prior to that and was like oh you know so yeah so and that's the thing and when that happens i think it they're not just these people posing for a camera that you know they're individual they're people with a brain they are mm. able to make judgments what they want to be involved with so that kind of reminds you of that and that's I think part of the greatness of us and why so many people enjoy it, why I enjoy it as well. Yeah. And just being able to, especially in the interviews on the website, giving people an opportunity to tell their own story and or to tell the stories yeah. about the neighborhood that they want to tell and not angling yeah, that, um, for a specific experience. Exactly. Not for uh, like, oh, well, this is going to go to, we want white audiences to be sympathetic or we want these, you know, these people will be able to connect with it because they'll be in other neighborhoods that are similar. And, you know, those things, may, they may be a kind of answer effect, definitely, but that's not the goal of it. Mm -hmm. or at least that's, that's you know that's not what it comes off as which is great so it's for lack of a better word it's authentic it's more sincere which is why it's so good yeah and just showing all different aspects of the lives of the people who live there like that um i don't know yeah. if you saw the video of those kids getting ready for prom um, yes yeah it's just like so sweet these like really yes. like <laughs> beaming faces all dressed up getting ready to go to the dance and it's just like this really happy moment that could be yeah, anywhere touching. Um, yeah, the thing, it's touching and relatable to so many people that feeling is i mean we didn't have prom mm -hmm. in the uk i feel like some people have it now but it's not like a it's not a thing it's just like yeah, some yeah. people have it and most people don't so you get it so you just understand what that means to people and that is it's kind of like a universal feeling that you understand even if you don't share you know you, know, you may not know it same type of night but you have similar type of things whether it's like your 18th birthday or the you know whatever it may be so it's relatable 
to so many people regardless of where you come from. Yeah. And also having those experiences, but then also not shying away from experiences that are specific to living in that neighborhood and having people talk about like the guy who was in the army and like was stationed in Germany and said, you know, I moved back here on purpose. I want to live here. This is my home. Yeah. Talking about people who've died, people who've died violently in the neighborhood and not pretending that that stuff hasn't happened, but having that be a part of a much bigger hole and showing that, you know, people have sadness and happiness and, you know, all a full emotional life. Exactly. It's the, it's the reality. That's, a, that's the thing about it. It's, it's not the only thing, but it's, it's a large part of what shapes that community is the experiences that they have. And a lot of them will have because of the area that they live in and the opportunities that are there or are not there. But that's the thing. It's just, the, yeah, like you said, it's just about the kind of whole picture, not just part of it and that, you know, outsiders may know about, or even the, the only part that sometimes maybe a few people inside may know about. It's just about, you know, what actually, there's this individual person and this is what their life is like. And it's, yes, it's shaped by this. Maybe they're a single parent and this is their life living in this area. But there's so many things that everyone goes through. Yeah. But looking at that, looking at the kind of complete picture. And showing those moments where those two not necessarily opposing elements, but universal stuff that could really be anywhere and the stuff that's very specific to that neighborhood overlap, Mm. like showing all these little kids getting ready to go trick-or-treating and like in their costumes and really excited to like, you know, show what they're wearing and then showing them getting ready to go. And there's like a cluster of white cops standing on the corner, all like (laughs) watching over them and, you know, waiting to see if anybody does anything that they deem to be suspicious or whatever it's just like fuck she did an amazing job when you actually look at the detail of the images as well like you know like you said the composition the light everything you know they're all they're all black and white so obviously that has a certain tone to it but then you know you don't always have the full richness of black you know sometimes you're like oh i wonder what these would have looked like in color but there's so much there already there's so much tone and i think maybe even because of the community because it's predominantly black that adds i don't know i think that does something to kind of the quality of the black and white the quality of the tone and they're i think what are they they're like gelatin prints or something like that i can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember but when i saw them even like even in the book, when you look at them, the things that you kind of forget about, especially now, I don't always get things printed, and you're so used to working and editing physically. Yeah, so you forget about things like the quality of paper and the quality of everything in between. But the prints, my goodness, the book is gorgeous, and those large scale prints at the gallery were unbelievable. And so I feel like each time I see this work, I feel like I'm getting like a new kind of surprise that is added to it, or just something else. Yeah. Uh, segue. Uh, Paul Del Roche. Um, I think in terms of composition and light, there's a similar thing to me. There his, is a similar thing where it's like Thank obviously you. it's a painting instead of a photograph, but it's yeah. you still get that same feeling that even if it's you know a historical figure who there's no way that he could really know what that person looked like. What was happening, exactly. What the true essence of them is. You feel like he gets it and expressions on people's faces. There's something quite photographic about it, which is amazing for someone who's painting in the 19th century. But even in the execution of Lady Jane Grey, where most of the faces are looking down or looking away, her expression on her face, even though she's blindfolded. Blindfolded, yeah. 
you still like the emotional content is so strong and the way everything it's a painting so it's not actually lit but the way yeah. color suggests lighting where it's like she has basically has a spotlight on her she's all in white exactly. and everybody else around her is very dark and you yeah. know, these kind of like deep reds and blacks and they're all yeah. looking away and yeah it, g- it gives me a similar feeling I, you know it's it's weird because the subject matter is completely different different yeah media different age different <laughs> everything different and i i agree which is why i kind of thought of these like when i was like okay thinking about it, I was like, okay these two work because one because they're two two artists that i respect and like admire etc but i also agree and i think that's the reason i've been uh you know you think about like what art do i enjoy what type of art do i like i don't know you know you kind of ask these questions of yourself sometimes and um i really like i think that his uh the execution of Lady Jane Grey was the first painting I saw of his, and I think I was—I remember—I remember that vividly. I—I I had been, I think it was after I'd studied abroad, studied abroad, and I came back home to London, and there were loads of people who were coming to London to visit, so I became a bit of a host, which was fun. And I was taking people—I <laughs> think I had like a tour that was down. I had it down to a T. I was like, okay, cool. I'll take people here, 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 here. That's a day done. And for the rest of the, the rest of the time, you can do what you like. I feel like I've done my done my work. And one of the stops was the National Gallery, and so it's there. And I remember kind of just you know, it's National Gallery. It's great, but it's kind of like the I don't know how to describe it. But you know, you get your little film of art, all of the little bits. You get your A to Z, so to speak, of art over the ages. Right. So I was just you know, I think I let people run. I had my headphones in, and I remember seeing it, and I hadn't seen it before, hadn't even heard of him, and I was floored. And for all the reasons you said that. The description of that image in particular, the like the way light works in the image, even just the actual execution of the way he's kind of standing there, and his expression is one that is not at all blank. It's um, he's kind of waiting. He's just waiting to do his job. But there's like the mildest hint of concern, but not necessarily for her. It's it's just the actual the amount of expression he was able to capture in this painting in a scene that he's actually created from his you know just from his own you know imagination. And that's the thing I think I like similar and I see it as similar to Imperial Courts where it is so much about what you may know, understand of this character or this person and trying to bring that out in the image. So obviously he's going on something historic, something that is known in books and writing along those lines. But he's made it seem like he's he was there capturing it. But it's like it's almost documentarian in style, even though so it's similar with Imperial Courts in that she's got these people and she's capturing them in this organic way, even if it is posed. So she could have just caught them, you know, maybe riding bikes at the time. But then you know you don't have that same strength in the image of them face facing the camera, eyes into the lens. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's 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 both posed but completely natural, at the, it's posed and natural. And that's I think the balance that's so hard to achieve. And with Paul Delaroche, so many of his images are similar to that they like you said they're paintings so they're his own creation from his mind but they convey that same type of they they convey something similar in that he's taking real people or religious figures that may be quite popular in in society within christianity catholicism anything like that and so these are figures that even if whether you believe in them whether you don't you know who they are you have an idea of them they are present in some type of history so they are kind of real in that way and he gives you a sense of who they may have been or what that scene may have looked like so it's kind of 
documentarian in style, even if it's made up or I said, like, you know, kind of posed in that sense. And so, yeah, so I agree. So that's why I'm happy you keep saying because I, I feel like they're completely different, but they have something very, very similar vein running through them. Yeah. I think even with documentarians, it's like there's still, they're still a narrative, there's still a perspective. And yeah. with Imperial Courts, it's like she's capturing people in a specific way she has a specific aesthetic and when she's talking to them she's getting you know stories but it's still that person presenting chunks of their life in a way that they're they're deciding what to tell her they're deciding they're to have to present themselves exactly giving their their version of events to her and it's similar thing with um in particular with the execution of lady jane gray but with all of delaroche's work that he got some criticism for taking artistic license like the execution of lady jane gray yeah. historically happened in a public square and was like outside yeah and the painting shows it in a dungeon yeah and the I, I would say kind of like, yeah yeah i would say to people who were looking at that painting and going like um excuse me that did not happen <laughs> in a dungeon it's like you're kind of missing the point um but, yeah that's the thing it's not that's not what the yeah that's not what the yeah he was not there to tell you this is what happened it's mm-hmm. to he's setting a scene yeah and giving the artistic license that is taken is the part of the artistry that's this is his version of this historical event and the way that he's setting the scene with the light and the you know the people surrounding her and all of that is so important to the picture itself that it, like it's it doesn't really matter whether it's historically accurate or not and that's again it's kind of missing the point it's like that's not yeah he's not showing it as like this is history as it actually happened it's more like this is a chunk of this is a this is a, like this is and the thing is he could have repaint he could have painted that and you know kept some of those same tones perhaps and had you know maybe like a, a viewing gallery painted in there to make it more uh reflective of what did happen if he wanted to but it wasn't needed that's the point i think in that moment it became very uh contained and the fact that you had the two kind of weeping damsels in the background which there's so much of it that can fall into the shadows because she's in the spotlight but all of it is so will draw your attention at different points depending on maybe what day you view it on or where you view it or how you see it but yeah so he could have done that but i think he's just he's taken a segment for the sake of kind of like you know evoking an emotion so yeah, he could have made it bigger and like had people, I mean, it, painted it with people, more people in the room, you know. But I think it, it just wasn't, it wasn't needed, and it doesn't change. It, it, all it does is kind of heighten, heighten the drama. It makes it, yeah, it makes it more dramatic. And you think it might be more dramatic with many people watching, but I think you get it's a different type of drama. It's not a spectacle. It's more uh, emotive, and just even the way her hands are kind of feeling for the, the block that they're going to put her on, you kind of feel, you know, it, it, it evokes a lot of sympathy, I suppose. So that I, I feel extremely satisfied are you are you happy i'm pretty happy yeah Uh, i'm happy it was good and i feel like when i was thinking of things i like had an idea of why i thought of them and i was like you know in my mind like i said you think of like the art you like and try to think of how it may inform your work or how it can and what you can do and i was like there is a bit of a link when you said that i was like okay no i'm glad you see it it's not not that i need the generation but it's nice because i was like yeah it's not just making that up which is fine but it just it makes sense which is good uh so if people want to find you and find your work where do they do that well, you can find me at, well, Instagram, Romeo, so it's W-U, and for November, and for Mother, and for I-O, and so yeah, at Romeo. Twitter, 
good. Like, I use Instagram, so Wimeo is fine. And also, it's Wimeo.com. So, either one of those two is cool. Instagram or website. And from there, you can find me elsewhere. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yay! What a great conversation. Thanks again, Woon Me, for making time for me. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the big reveal of the art I enjoyed this week. Here it comes! So, uh, remember that orchestra I was talking about at the beginning? Well, Beth Gibbons who is the singer from Portishead, a band that is hugely important to me, and please seek out their albums if you haven't already. Anyway, Beth Gibbons, who has not released any music in a long time. In 2014, she was filmed performing Henrik Gorecki's Symphony No. 3 with the Polish National Radio Symphony Orchestra, and it's just now getting a very limited theatrical release. Very limited. Like, I live in New York, and it's being shown twice. (laughs) Uh, It is a fucking weird piece of music. It's really repetitive and sort of hypnotic, um, but I really liked it. And her voice sounds incredible. And she doesn't speak Polish. It's in Polish. And she learned it all phonetically, which is pretty impressive, right? Um, I'm sure a huge part of it is the fact that I'm a Portishead super fan and I'd listen to Beth Gibbons sing the phone book, but I really, really enjoyed it. So check it out if you can. Also this week, I've been listening to a very different type of music by a singer called Fatima. Um, She's put out two albums on Eglo Records, which is predominantly a dance music label, but she has the voice of a jazz singer. Um, Some of her stuff is really jazzy. Some of it is more R&B. Some of it's a little dancier, but it's so, so good. And her music videos are amazing as well. So check her out. Um, There will be links as always in the show notes. So you can check out all the artists mentioned in this episode, as well as Moonbee's work, which is incredible. And that's about it. Please remember to follow me on social media, won't you? At Spark Parade. Uh, check out the website, thesparkparade.com. You can donate to the show there if you just got paid and you don't know what to do with all your money. Or you can just rate the show five stars and write a nice review. A nice review can just be four heart emojis if you're short on time. And who isn't these days, am I right? Okay, that's it. Enjoy your week, dudes. See you next time. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.